0: Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Julie Broad. Julie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Well, great to have you, and uh, let me give uh, our listeners a bit of background on you, and then I'll have you add to it. Uh, Julie has an MBA. She's an entrepreneur. She's a real estate investor, a speaker, a trainer, and also a best-selling author. Uh, Her most recent book is The New Brand You, your new image makes the sales for you. I have not had a chance to read it yet, but we are going to chat about it and have her tell us what that book is all about. It is available on Amazon. We'll have a link to it in our show notes page as well at thehowabusiness.com. Uh Julie initially and, and her, her background as uh, she got into business and having her own business is she's known for helping real estate investors and new entrepreneurs. Who, aren't, who are not naturally born to sell. So most of us are challenged with that. So she helps people get over that, help them build a brand that gets results and make an impact and ultimately make more money, which is what we all want. You can find a lot of her resources and there really is a lot of information on your website. At, and that website is havemoreinfluence.com. So I encourage your, our listeners to visit that page. they will be a link to it in the show notes page as well. So on this episode, Julie's going to share with us her entrepreneurial journey, how she got to where she is now being her own boss. She's going to share with us some tremendous insights for small business owners on building a personal brand and why that's important. And then just general tips and advice throughout the conversation for small business owners. She lives in Nanaimo, which is uh, on Vancouver Island, which is across, I guess that's called a bay, I think, across from Vancouver in mm-hmm. British Columbia, Canada. So once again, Julie Broad, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So and it is, it is across the water. So the only way to get here is with a plane or a ferry boat.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's right. I was looking at the map and of course, because it's an island, Vancouver Island.
1: Yep. Yep. So
0: how did you end up there? I'm curious.
1: My husband was born and raised here, so wow. when when we met, uh, we I actually was living in a different city on this island. There's four cities on this island, um, and uh, and we moved away to Toronto. But we were in Toronto for five years, and my husband said, gotta, "Got to got to get back to the West Coast. I can't I can't stand the winters out here." So uh, that's what he knew. So we came back here.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. And you're both Canadians, obviously, mm-hmm. or maybe not yeah. obviously, but. Uh, I've been in Toronto, beautiful city. Been in Vancouver just briefly, but I've never been over to to uh, Vancouver Island so that's that's definitely on the list of things to do all right well I'd like to get started as we usually do with your journey and a little bit of uh, research that I was able to do you went to school and you got a BA in business communications strategy and marketing and then when went to get on uh, to get your MBA rather in finance and real estate so the real estate comes into play even then but tell me about what you were thinking when you were in school and where you thought you would go
1: Yeah, you bet. I mean, when I was a kid, I grew up wanting to be a writer. I used to write short stories and essays and fiction type books. But somewhere along the line, somebody told me writers don't make money. Hmm. And so I didn't think that that was a good plan. So I ended up in business school. (laughs) Um, And I mean, I grew up in a house where my parents ran their own business. They ran a 20 room motel in the prairies of, of Canada where I grew up. Um, and I mean, ultimately, I like creating and solving problems, and that's really what business is. And, and writing is a great skill to have in business, so it all worked out. Um, but when I was in business school, I was—I actually, when I first graduated from my undergrad, the the bachelor, I the bachelor's degree, I was in a job, and about a year in, I started to think, you know what? It's going to be a long life of working for somebody else. Mm. So I created, and I was 24 at the time, so I created this plan that I called Freedom 35. You know, I'm sure you've heard the Freedom 65 ads, well this was my Freedom 35 plan. Love that. <laughs> and uh, my Freedom 35 plan was basically to just not need to have to work for someone else by the time I was 35. And um, at the same time, I had also decided to go back to school to get my MBA uh, because to me it was the fastest way to get to a six-figure salary. And that's kind of, for some reason, I had this thing in my head that I needed to have a six-figure salary to make my Freedom 35 plan work faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I started looking around, like, what can I start to do now that will help me get to this goal even though I'm going to go back to school? And so that's how I got into real estate because it was the only thing that I could see that would make money while I was sleeping mm. and and studying and partying too, because that's what you do <laughs> in university. <laughs> right. um, and and still and I could still do these other things. So so that's ultimately how I got into real estate in the first place was I took the money that I was going to uh, use for school, because it was really easy to get student loans, probably still is, to get student loans for MBA students. Um, so I got loans for the schooling and um, took the money that I had saved for school and put it towards buying my first two properties. And I actually partnered with my boyfriend at the time and uh, and I'm not always a recommended strategy, but it worked out because we eventually got married.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, but but we, uh, we, bought, we bought five more properties after that because we liked it. Uh, so we started to figure out, okay, how can we do this with no money and what other ways can we buy more properties? And so we kind of just kept going. Um, at the same time as I was building my career, but then I hit a point in my career where I thought, you know what, this is it. You know, I actually hit the six figure salary, I got the fancy vice president title, and then I woke up and realized this isn't what I want. You know, I've, I've worked really hard to create a life that actually wasn't excited about living. So I decided to quit and really focus on our investing and starting a training and education company to help other investors. The only catch, that was 2008. Now, I don't know how many of you remember what happened in 2008 in the real estate market.
0: Yeah, we remember well.
1: <laughs> yeah, so banks all over North America tightened their lending rules, they were barely loaning money at all, the real estate markets had crashed. And to add to that, as if that wasn't already bad enough, then Lehman Brothers collapsed. So this was brilliant time to start and focus on two businesses <laughs> in real estate, right? right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, those days of no-doc loans were long gone at that point.
1: Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, it was challenging, but uh, <laughs> I dug in and made it work. And some people always say to me, oh, well, thank goodness, you know, you were married by that time because I was. I was. Uh, we actually got married at the start of 2008, so we were newlyweds at this point. Um, and, uh, and people say, oh, well, thank goodness your husband probably had a job. My husband was a commercial mortgage broker nice. at that time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so he he had a lot of free times on it on his hands. He-
1: he did. He was 100% commission at a time when there was no funding happening. So he was not only not busy, he wasn't making any money. So it wasn't. It was not good timing. But um, in a lot of ways, that's the biggest blessing we had. I don't necessarily recommend the strategy of what 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 I did, but um, you know, we had to make it work. We dug in, and and we also did what every newlywed dreams of doing uh, at that time, and that was moving in with my parents into their basement. Nice. Uh, yeah, but we did what we had to do to that's make right. it work, and uh, and I think in the end it was a blessing. But it was it was a tough it was a tough start to my entrepreneurial journey.
0: No doubt. All right, so lots there that you shared, Julie. I want to break a couple of things down. So this Freedom Thirty Five vision that you had in college and as you start your career, did you think you might get there by working for someone and just making enough money and putting enough of it away? I didn't quite follow there. If that's how you thought you would get there.
1: Yeah, I had kind of a two-part plan. So the real estate investing was a big part of it. That was the, okay, what can I do that I don't have to be doing it all the time where my money's working for me and growing while I sleep? So, um, and for me, that was real estate. I I had actually done some stock investing and I had paid for a couple of years of my undergrad uh, doing trading gold stocks at the time, actually. Um, but I, I, didn't feel like I could do stocks without really spending a lot of time researching and reading charts and doing stuff like that. So, uh, but I felt like real estate was something that once you got it, you know, put management in place and you're good to go.
0: Right. But you thought you would continue to do that as an investment into your money, but the way you would make your money to invest, would be through your career. Am
1: I getting that right? Uh, Yeah. And then I would also, I was also very diligent. I I lived like a student for quite a few years. mm -hmm. Even though I was making really good money, I kept living like a student. I saved a ton of money.
0: Yeah. All right. And then at some point, it's when you hit that wall and of course the... You know the economic economic situation maybe helped with that, but actually that was afterwards. So so tell us a little bit more about when you figured out. All right, I don't I don't think I can do this corporate thing at the same time. It's just not for me. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of something that b- brews, and anybody who's unhappy in, in a day-to-day job knows this feeling. Like, it kind of nags at you that you're not happy, and, and you know, there's just lots of things that happen. But for me, it actually was a single meeting where it was the deciding point was um, I had spent a long time working on, I was, like I said, I was the vice president of sales and client services for this company, and I had worked for two months on the, the year, the, the reporting for the year that was going to go to the director and the plan for the upcoming year. And I had presented it to my boss uh, and he basically came back to me and shoved a one piece of paper across to the desk at me and said, this is your plan for the next year. And it had three goals. And under each of the goals, he had outlined the five things I was allowed to do to achieve them. And so basically he was making me 100 percent accountable for results that I had no control over how I was going to get them. And it was just in that moment where I said, you know what, I'm done. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I walked out of that meeting, called my husband and said, I'm quitting.
0: Yeah, I, I, can, I can be there with you and imagine how you were feeling. Because that's such a classic example of being expected to perform highly, yet being being given this, this arbitrary ceiling and you don't have full access to resources. And that's when you ask, well, wait a second, I can do this. And not have somebody dictate to me what my limitations are. Um,
1: Precisely.
0: Now, if I got it right, and when I was doing the research, you you bought your first property or your first investment with sixteen thousand dollars or so, is what you had to 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 start your investments.
1: Exactly. Yep, that was my my uh, school funds. <laughs> yep. Okay. And, and yeah, we got uh, started with that. And then my husband had some, uh, we call them RRSPs in Canada retirement. I think it's like 401k for you guys. Nice. Um, and, uh, and so that was our other property. So we bought two properties with, with that money to get started. And then after that, we got creative. Yeah.
0: And so you're still active investors today?
1: Yeah, we have a, a pretty sizable portfolio. We're not as active on the buy side. Um, the market's quite hot where we are, and, mm. and we have a, our portfolio is where we want it to be anyways, so we're, we're pretty happy. I see.
0: Okay, very good. And then you've turned that into this website and programs, uh, Revenue, Revenue, obviously it's a plan mm-hmm. for Revenue, where you're helping others become investors, correct?
1: That was the first business, yeah. Okay. And so I spent I spent seven years on that and really helping people raise money for their deals and, and make better decisions in real estate. Um, but about three years ago, my husband uh, was kind of getting bored with the investing. And uh, and I just said, well, what do you want to do? And, and he kind of gave me all these things he could do, go back to being a mortgage broker, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I said, no, no, like take money out of the equation. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And, and he said, you know, if money wasn't a factor, he said, I would probably be in a rock band or be an actor. And I said, and I said, okay, I said, well, what seems more likely? And he's like, well, I'm not a great singer, and I can't play any instruments. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, I think acting would be great. And when I first met him, like way back in 2000, he was taking acting classes. So yeah, so he started to pursue acting. and, And without him, I didn't want to run a real estate training business. And if we weren't actively buying, I didn't want to be somebody who said, here's how we used to do it. I always prided myself on being somebody who was saying, this is what we're doing. This is what's working in today's market. So yeah, so I just kind of shifted away, took the real estate out of the piece that I was already doing and started teaching people, um, entrepreneurs, as well as real estate investors to build their brand and sell.
0: Okay. So two questions. I want to go back to the question that you asked him. Did you ask yourself that question as to what you would do?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a writer and, a, and I love to speak and help people. So I'm already doing it. I see. Um, the banner that I wear it under is not as important as just helping people and having an impact. Okay.
0: And so that's what you're doing now with the new business. So bring us to that. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing today. <laughs> and then we'll dive into specifically one of the areas that you spoke, that you focus on, which is building a personal brand. But tell us now a little bit more about what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I'm actually at an interesting place where uh, we're working on a visa to move down to Los Angeles because ah. of my husband's acting to career. I'm shifting everything that I'm doing so I mean I have been helping a lot of people around branding especially in the real estate space but also some small business entrepreneurs Um, but um, I'm actually looking at shifting things even further because we have to do this uh, visa application and show how we're going to provide lots of jobs to Americans when I come to the US so uh, so my my things are shifting again uh, and it's fun it's kind of fun to create and solve problems and help people in different ways so I would say there's not really one specific specific thing I'm doing right now because I'm looking around for the next problem that I really want to help people solve.
0: Okay, so let's dive into the personal brand topic and it's Mm -hmm. uh, obviously it applies even to your husband in the case of he's got to build a personal brand to market himself and his skills. It applies to the type of business owner that might be a solopreneur and depends on that image and that brand to land new clients uh, through networking or what have it what have you it applies to any small business owner because not only do you have the business's brand but you yourself as the chief ambassador of that business needs a brand but introduce the concept for us why from your perspective and experience is it important for entrepreneurs to have a personal brand
1: yeah you bet creating a great brand and and when i say that i mean one that reflects clearly who you are and what you do it makes everything easier i'm a very very high introvert um, so branding myself and having people come to me was the secret to creating two successful businesses and raising millions of dollars for growing our real estate portfolio. Um, because I'm not a networker. I'm not a person who goes into a room of strangers and can comfortably network. So having people come to me, the better. And and the stronger your brand, the more money you'll be paid. So if you like money, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> but but here's the thing. You already have a brand. We we all have a brand. But a lot of people haven't taken the time to cultivate it and become comfortable with selling or presenting ourselves within that brand. Uh, a lot of people just kind of let things happen instead of getting in that driver's seat and making things happen. So really thinking about that personal brand. But as much as we focus on you, uh, like, you know, saying this is your personal brand, I actually think that you're better off to think about the person that you most want to connect with and really focus on that connection. And that's really what is a strong personal brand, something, uh, you know, when your message and who you are really connects with your ideal person, that's what makes a strong brand. And a lot of people think a brand is about websites and mission statements and logos and those are vehicles to communicate your brand, but your brand is about that connection. And, and I think that's a really, really important piece to, to think about.
0: So can you give me a practical example or a component of that, how, how that works? How, so let's say I'm a small business owner and I build my business through networking. How, give me an example of how I build my brand over time.
1: Yeah, you bet. I think the simplest way to answer it is is uh, something that I talk about in the book, which is the brand MAGIC formula. And MAGIC is an acronym. And so Ma- the M in the MAGIC stands for message. And this is, this is basically clearly communicating how you help other people or what it is that you do. So, you know, you're helping them have more fun or make more money or whatever it is that you do get healthier. Um, that's got to be clearly communicated. So when you're networking, when you're on your website, that message needs to be consistent and clear and beyond the mediums that your ideal client is on, of course. Uh, the A is for appearance, and this is a very well-rounded category, so it's how you look when you're networking. I mean, I love sweatpants, and I rock them when I'm walking the dog, <laughs> but you will not see me networking in sweatpants, because I'm comfortable, but I'm not confident. So it's not about wearing a suit unless that your, suits your personality, but it's really about making sure that your, what you're wearing, what's on your website, the logos, everything is is in alignment with that brand that you want to create and is connecting so you got to think about that part g is for google results and this is really important as i worked with i work with so many small businesses who don't master this you are who google says you are and these days Technology is just moving so fast. Uh, Apple quietly announced earlier at the start of uh, 2016 that they bought body language reading software company and a facial recognition software. And uh, Google Glass has been working on the same thing for a while. I mean, people are already Googling you before they meet you, but they'll be able to Google you when you walk in the room before they even know your name. So you wanna be on top of what Google is saying about you and make sure your web presence is reflecting you know, who you want it to reflect. The I is for I am an expert in, and if you're just starting out or you're not quite sure, uh, my recommendation isn't to focus on the word expert, it's to think about what niche you wanna be in, because the more focused you are, the faster you'll become an expert and the easier it is to going back to that message to communicate clearly who you can help and how you can help others. The C is for character, and this comes back to you and your values and the things that are important to you and how that gets communicated because that's a really, really strong part of your brand that'll create your company culture and so on. So a lot of, I mean, we could dive into every one of those and give tips on what to do, but uh, those are the key elements that you really want to think about in your brand.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And I think it also, what you talk about is that congruency, everything has to fit together. If there's a disconnect then people see that and so then your brand doesn't come across as effectively whether that's as simple as you're not dressing the part or you're simply talking about stuff that doesn't connect with the the people you're trying to network with all of that has to be in alignment right for it, mm-hmm. to, for it to resonate for your brand to resonate with others
1: Mm-hmm. And it's uh, if I can, there's one, one example of a client that I worked with uh, who was trying to raise money for his real estate deals, and he was complaining that he didn't feel like people were taking him seriously. Mm. And, I said, and I said, what are you wearing when you're having these meetings? And, and he said, well, I'm wearing a golf shirt and, and uh, kind of dress pants. And I said, I said, okay. I said, well, what's on your feet? And he said, running shoes.
0: Mm.
1: And I said, how do you feel when you're wearing your running shoes? And he's like, comfortable. <laughs> And I said, yeah, but do you feel like you're the successful real estate investor that you're presenting yourself to be? And he just changed his shoes and the conversations changed. And it seems funny, but it matters. It matters because you're more confident. You feel more successful. Whether the other person um, is necessarily looking at your shoes or not isn't always the most important piece.
0: Yeah, it's funny how sometimes what you wear affects how you carry yourself physically. Mm -hmm. All right. So in the book, you talk about 42 common communication mistakes that dilute that message that we're talking about. Can you just share with us a couple of those examples?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One of the big ones is we speak before we really know what we should say. Um, And I have a story to kind of illustrate this. My mother-in-law was shopping for a new car. And she actually went 90 minutes out of her way on the island to test drive this one specific kind of a car. And after the test drive, the sales guy said, you know, what do you think? And she said, well, I don't like the blind spot. It really made me uncomfortable, but it has great power. So he asked, what other cars are you looking at? Great question. And then she named a few of the cars. He then proceeded to badmouth a couple of them, pointing out a lot of the flaws. Yeah. Now here, the mistake, you know, he, he worked at one of the biggest used car lots in the area. If, if she wanted to go anywhere else, she'd have to leave the island. So there's very good chance there was another car on his lot or he could have got one in that would have met her needs. So he should have said, have you drove any other cars? What did you like about them? What didn't you like? You know, what's most important to you in a car? But instead he basically, you know, opened his mouth, inserted his foot and she left and didn't buy a car from him. Uh, and I think a lot of people do that. They start talking before they have enough information to really provide value to the person that they're speaking with.
0: Yeah, and of course, he was probably incented to sell that one car right then and now, but the, the I think one of the takeaways for me from a story like that is that if that's if this, what I'm selling right now isn't a fit, I, I need to cultivate a relationship and that takes longer for the effect of that to pay off, right? Instead yeah. of trying to sell them what I have right now to sell.
1: Exactly. And if he'd done that, there's a very good chance he might've had the perfect solution for her, maybe something she hadn't even thought of, but he didn't take the time to to understand that
0: right i want to go back to the, the point about google uh, who google says you are that's who you are so so what can i do about that where, where do i start as a small business owner i mean some of the things are obvious i got to have an online presence but what what do you advise to your clients to get a jump start on improving what google says about you
1: Yeah, you bet. I actually have a, I have, it's called the Google game plan and it's a free download that people can get if you want to send them there. It's, it's at my website, havemoreinfluence.com and it's forward slash Google game plan, no spaces. Um, we can make sure that you've got the link for the, the show notes as well. But, um, basically the first thing is if you don't have a website, um, make sure you've at least own your name as a URL, uh, and you might not be able to buy it, so you might have to get a little creative. You know, On Twitter, I'm the Julie Broad, because Julie Broad was taken. Um, but the more you can do to control your online space and presence, like owning your name as a URL is, is a start, Um, But getting your website to show up on Google can be a challenge uh, at first, so even things like social media, that's very quick, a LinkedIn profile is very quick to show up um, in a Google search result, YouTube channel, very quick to show up because Google owns YouTube, so just getting yourself a little bit of presence out there so that you're starting to take over um, when somebody searches your name, that's a start. Uh, and certainly getting interviewed for media and podcasts and other things like that. Um, the more things that you can do that have links towards your name and your company name, uh, the better it will be uh, in terms of creating your brand when somebody searches your name.
0: Yeah, and that's a great point on the on the name URL. I had uh, in the past that looked at it and my name isn't available so I kind of gave up on that. But it's not the URL, you can do variants of it. It's just that you have a website that has content about you that's likely going to get indexed when somebody searches for you, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing I'll point out is juliebroad.com was taken for years, mm. but I kept I kept going back to it. Um, and, and eventually it was a psychologist in Australia, I think, was who had it. And one day the website wasn't there anymore, so I bought the URL. So keep checking back. You can check um, domain registries to see when the domains expire too because you might be able to get it in the future.
0: Yeah, great advice. All right, so to wrap it up on this topic of branding personal branding and and the question i want to ask is where do i start obviously we just talked about as far as the online presence where to start but in general what do you where do you have people start with building their personal brand
1: it depends where you are right now so if you don't have an existing business you're not quite sure what business you're going to go into which i've kind of alluded to that's i've got a bit of a blank slate that i'm working with as i go down to the u.s Um, and, and so for me, how I'm, how I'm looking at it is I'm adding value, I'm putting videos out there, I'm doing interviews, you know, I've published a book and I'm just listening to where people are resonating with me the most, you know, where, can, where, where the problems are that I can solve and then I'm gonna see where that intersects with stuff I wanna do. <laughs> okay. um, so that's one approach. Um, if you do have an idea, you've already kinda of got the problem that you wanna solve or you've even got your business going, um, the thing that you really want to do is focus on who is your ideal customer, because I find that a lot of people, they've got the demographics or they've, they've kind of done the typical marketing thing. But an example is my, my dad is bald. Okay, he has no hair and uh, and if you have a product that will help him grow hair, you might assume that my dad is a perfect fit for you. But the reality is, he's in his 70s. He's been married for 45 years <laughs> and the only thing he cares about is making sure that there's no sun getting or burning that bald head of his. So, he, you know, if you've got a hat or sunscreen, he's listening, but <laughs> hair regrowth does not care. Yeah,
0: um, at this point he it, probably looks at it as a benefit, doesn't have to keep it up, right?
1: Exactly. He doesn't have to have haircuts. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. So the thing is, if you sell that hair regrowth product, you want to be thinking about who's going to care. Right? You know, if somebody's in politics, there's a lot of attention paid to their hair, right? Donald Trump's a perfect example. But you know, you want to think about the hair regrowth, uh, who would be a good fit, who cares about the fact they're losing their hair, maybe single men, recently divorced men. Um, And you start to dig into your ideal client, who has the money to pay for these kind of solutions? Um, Where can I find them? And what kind of messages are going to connect? Like, what are the fears? And that's the important piece. And the more connected you are to who that ideal person is, and not just how you're helping them, but the emotional reasons, the fears, the desires, those kind of things, uh, the stronger all your marketing messages will be and the easier it will be to find these people. Right.
0: And so then the more effective I'll be at crafting my brand, but I still have to remain true to who I am, Right.
1: Absolutely. I mean, when I talk about creating a brand, I'm not talking about creating a false persona. It is all about figuring out um, who you can help and how, but while being yourself. You know, that's why when I say appearance, I'm not saying you need to be in a three piece suit. I'm saying think about what makes you feel confident. And you know what, the the wackier you dress or the more unique you dress, if it suits your personality and who you are, that just allows you to stand out even more. So embrace your uniqueness. Uh, it's powerful when it comes to branding and standing out, as long as it really is you. Yeah, great, great.
0: All right, let's segue into sales. We've touched on it. Uh, I want to start with this question. Why is it, in your opinion, an experience that having some sales ability being effective at sales is important for small business owners and entrepreneurs
1: Well, if you want to eat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. At the, at the base level, let's get real here. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's the, the reality is you, you might think you can hire a salesperson, but you still have to sell your vision. You still have to sell the concept behind your company. Um, everybody has to sell. We're all salespeople at some level. Um, so if, if the word selling bugs you, you know, and I, I know kind of for me, it was, it was a, a horrific experience in the beginning uh, because selling to me was asking somebody to do something for me. And I didn't like that. Um, So when I when I sell, I don't look at it as sales. sales. I look at it as I'm serving. I'm making your life better. I'm helping you make more money or have fun or have more influence or get healthier or whatever it is that I do. Um, And I'm serving. And again, I'm only looking for people who I'm a perfect fit to help. So as we've kind of touched on already, I'm asking questions to make sure that uh, I'm in front of the right person. But I, I think that if you're struggling with selling, Uh, maybe stop looking at the money because money is definitely part of the transaction, but my focus isn't, you know, the traditional sales approach of always be closing. My approach is serve and add value, build that relationship, build that connection and your sales grows from there.
0: Yeah. Serve and add value. Love that. And and there's no doubt In, in our, I think in life we're always selling, whether it's a point of view, an opinion, a perspective, or in the case of a business, it's why you should do business with me, why you should lend me money, why you should come work with me, why you should partner with me. All of those are opportunities to sell what you have to offer, the value that you have to share, right? Mm-hmm. And so in doing that, and, and did, did you say that I read that you consider yourself an introvert or at some point you considered yourself an introvert?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm still an introvert. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah I don't, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think it changes.
0: I'm an introvert as well. So. I know you have some thoughts there for people who say, well, I'm just an introvert, that's not me. You've touched on it a little bit, but tell me a little bit more about that, how how you help people that have that as a challenge.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I ended up in sales uh, because it was the best paying job out of, out of university. Uh, it had, you know, the sales job I first took was with Kimberly Clark selling Huggies and Kotex and Kleenex. And it came with a company car. And I mean, that's a big deal when you're 22. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Absolutely. the problem- and the problem was, as an introvert, um, I had to go up to strangers and 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 network and meet people and ask them to do things for me. Uh, and so my first couple job, first couple months on the job were a nightmare. And I actually spent a lot of time in my car crying on these sales calls. You know, I'd go in and not screw up the courage to go and talk to people. And basically, I've already kind of hinted at how I how I shifted it and how I recommend people shift it, is I stopped thinking about myself and I started thinking about, okay, what can I do to help this person look good to their boss? What can I do to make their day easier? And I would just go in and try to figure that out. And so I wasn't shining the spotlight on myself anymore, I was shining the spotlight on them and trying to understand how I could help them in some way. And by doing that, again, it goes back to that relationship, that connection, maybe I didn't get the sale that day, but then they owed me a favor in their mind, not even in mine, but in theirs. And I got extra display space, I got extra orders, you know, when I needed something, they were very quick to help me. So I think that for a lot of introverts, that's part of it is shifting that focus. So the focus is on other people, not on you. The other part that really made all the difference for me and why I'm so much of an advocate of branding is as an introvert, the stronger your brand, the more people come to you. So you don't have to be the center of attention. You don't have to go network with a bunch of strangers because when I go to an event in a lot of places, Because I'm the speaker or I've done something where people know my brand, they come up to me. So I don't have to stress about networking because it basically happens for me. Yeah,
0: And then there was a video on your website where you talk about finding like-minded people and, and networking in those environments and that then facilitates it. Such an easier communication process, right? So, talk a little bit about that, if you would.
1: Yeah, this this was such a fascinating subject to me, and the more I dive into it, the the more incredible it seems to me. But, um, I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard that you know the you want to surround yourself with like minded people because you are the average of the five to seven people that you spend the most time with, but it's unbelievable. It's not just those people, it's their friends, and there's phenomenal research on it. And there's a book called Connected, where they did, I think, 30 years of research, and they actually proved that obesity is contagious, your income is highly influenced by the people, not just that you're surrounding yourself with, but the people that your friends hang out with. And so you are incredibly influenced by those around you, so consciously choosing, even like just the five five people you spend the most time with, consciously choosing those people so they have traits and characteristics and things that you aspire to or like to have in your life, that can change a whole bunch of things in your life without you even realizing it. And, uh, and it, it was really one of the big differences for us when we became entrepreneurs. We spent money that we, we didn't have because I was living with my parents in their basement, remember? Yeah. Um, but we spent it to go to conferences and join mastermind groups to surround ourselves with people who understood what we were trying to do, who were even doing it. And looking back, I think that was one of the big, big differences. Um, because you don't even realize that you're picking up their habits, your, their thoughts are influencing your thoughts and and it just makes a world of difference. Yeah.
0: All right. Fantastic advice. Uh, So let's segue now into the question I always ask people, which is what have been the keys you think to your success in life? And in particular, I'm curious about a quote that I read online, uh, that you say about getting an MBA that uh, you encourage others to ditch the degree. So talk about that and your philosophy on that and, and why you have that perspective.
1: Yeah, so I mean, the key is to life and business success. I think it's always take action, try things. Uh, Because if you're sitting there thinking about something, you're not really figuring out what's going to work. So try things and learn. I think that's really key. Um, When it comes to my quote where I say ditch that degree, I'm not necessarily saying don't get educated because I'm a big fan of educating yourself. I don't know if an MBA is the right way for a lot of people. I know I certainly didn't need to do it um, for what I wanted to do. I, I kind of, I, like I said, I pursued it for a six-figure salary, which really isn't the smartest reason to pursue it. That doesn't create the life that you love You um, just chasing it for money. But, One of the reasons I say ditch the degree is because I think first, a lot of people, you can look around, figure out the life you want to create, find somebody who's living something similar and go learn from them. And a lot of times you don't need the degree to get there. Um, But the other reason is that I think degrees uh, in traditional education sometimes messes up how we communicate. It turns us into one of my favorite words is the sesquipedalian wordsmith, right? <laughs> which is basically a person who uses big words to sound smart. And when and when you do that, when you use jargon, which business school teaches you to be a master at jargon, uh, you're not going to connect with people very easily. And it teaches you to write in a formal way that's boring and doesn't create a connection. And sometimes it also can help you or help you. Um, it makes you come across uh, in a way that people will perceive you to think that you think you're better than them. And, and business school, I mean, they even told us what color suit to wear to different interviews. If you're interviewing, if it's a first interview with an accounting firm, wear blue. If it's your second interview with the accounting firm, wear brown. And, and that's not, that's a, a way to create drones, really. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, well, they're creating employees, they're high-paid it, employees, but employees in the
1: Exactly. So it just, it may not be, I think it's good to pause and think about it because it's not always the way to get where you want to go.
0: Yeah. And that's what I figured you were going with that. I didn't think it was about you um, bashing education, obviously, and you've benefited from it greatly, but I, but I completely agree and I understand. And so this, this whole approach and life motto, if you will, of take action, that's always been something that's been a part of you.
1: Yeah, I I'm not sure where I get it from precisely, but yeah, I've always kind of been once I decide, I just go do it. Uh, a lot of a lot of the people who know me, they're like, "You're the queen of implementation." Um, and it's just for me, I think that I like to I like to see what's going to happen and take control. If I'm not happy, I'm not going to sit there. Uh, I want to do something about it. So uh, that's what I do. I take action. And a lot of times you're not sure what to, you know, you're kind of like, I don't know if this is right. Well, you're not going to figure it out. Just staring out at the, in my case, out at the ocean. Uh, you you got to try things and figure it out. And, and I never, I've made a ton of mistakes, <laughs> but I don't regret any of them because it helped me get where I am today, and and I think ultimately a, a lot of my success came as a result of mistakes that I made.
0: Yeah, I love that. The way I look at it also is whether it's taking action or making decisions, you have to have enough confidence and hopefully some experience and training and mentorship that you're going to make enough good decisions, good actions to outweigh the bad ones that you're inevitably going to make as well.
1: Absolutely. And I think that also goes back to that consciousness around who you're surrounding yourself with. Because um, if you have the right people, uh, you will pick yourself up from those mistakes and learn from them a lot quicker.
0: Yeah. And there comes the train in the background, it sounds like.
1: Yes. Yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> no worries. So there's a train on the island.
1: I live on the right side of the tracks, though. <laughs> <laughs> Good
0: to know. Good to know. All right. We'll start to wrap this up. But uh, tell, tell, we've touched on the content that's in the book. Again, it's called the brand, the Brand, the New Brand you. So tell me a little bit more about the book, who it's for. Just introduce it if you will.
1: Sure. Yeah, the new brand you is I really wrote it to help people uh, who aren't comfortable selling uh, create a brand so that people come to you. And ultimately, it's full of action items and stories, kind of you know, like we've done today in this call. To, to really help you have practical advice to do it. And it's for the entrepreneur who's bootstrapping it, right? It, these aren't, this isn't go spend a bunch of money on marketing. These are things that I did to build my business when I was living in my parents' basement so I didn't have money to spend. Um, and a lot of really practical communication tips so that you're communicating effectively uh, so that your words aren't becoming meaningless like we, we touched on already. Right,
0: right, okay, good. And it's available on Amazon, right?
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely, and Barnes and Noble's, and you know, anywhere you like to buy books, it's probably there, either in the store or online.
0: Fantastic, and we'll have a link to it as well on our show notes page at the How of Business. So, speaking of books, and the little engine that could comes to mind, but other <laughs> books that you've read uh, either recently or in the past, uh, business books in particular, that you would recommend to our audience?
1: Yeah, it, that's a, this is a tough question for me because I have read a ton of books and. Yes. For- I recommend different ones for different reasons, but um, Pitch Anything by Oren Klaff is a phenomenal book for helping you become a confident communicator it's about selling but um, what we found was after reading it and after i've recommended other people read it is it's so much easier to put yourself in a position where you feel like you're in control of that sales conversation and for us it helped us raise millions and millions of dollars uh, for our real estate deals so i think it's a it's a powerful read for everybody because as we already touched on entrepreneurs are salespeople, uh, and uh, this book really helps you become a better salesperson
0: Fantastic recommendations. I'll have a link to that in the show notes page as well at thehowofbusiness.com. All right, we'll wrap it up here. Last parting piece of advice or thought for our listeners.
1: My own saying, and we've already talked about this, is the missing piece is always action. So if you're not sure, take action, do something, um, focus on adding value, how you can help other people and good things will come out of it. Don't expect it, don't do something because you think, if I help this person, they're going to pay me money or they're going to tell somebody else about me. But over time, those kind of things snowball. And you know, even if you don't know what you're looking for right now, I think if you add value and take action, great things will come from it.
0: Love that. The missing piece is always action. Fantastic. And uh, where would you like our listeners to go to find out more about you and your business?
1: Havemoreinfluence.com is the best place. You can find all my social media and my YouTube there and uh, and reach out. I'd love to hear from you what problems you're trying to solve right now. If there's anything I can help you with, uh, please do connect.
0: Great. Julie, it's been uh, extremely interesting and informative chatting with you. Thanks for being on the show with us today.
1: Thanks, Henry. It's great.
0: This is Henry Lopez. And you've been listening to another episode of the how of business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of the how of business. Thank you for listening to the how of business with David begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start manage and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, Leave a comment on iTunes and go by levantebusinessgroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.
1: Ever tried reading while jogging, cooking, or even juggling flaming torches? Yeah, it doesn't end well. But with audiobooks.com, you can conquer books without the circus act. Dive into over 450,000 titles, including more than 10,000 free ones. Get hooked on a bestseller, find your next obsession, or finally read that classic you've been avoiding since high school. And here's the inside scoop: sign up today for a free 30-day trial and snag your first 3 audiobooks on the house. Sign up for your free trial at audiobooks.com/podcastfree today. That's audiobooks.com slash podcast F-R-E-E.